this is Pastor Nate Ward with Open Door Church, and I wanted to take a moment to welcome you to our podcast. It's my personal prayer that you would be encouraged and encountered by the Holy Spirit and challenged by His Word. May the Lord bless you and stir faith as you listen to this week's message. If, if you're not aware, uh, there is um, there's a pandemic, is what the World Health Organization calls it, in regards to the coronavirus. Um, I'm sure you've seen it on the news, you've experienced its effects, you've probably tried to buy toilet paper at some point in time and not been able to. If you are one of the people that is sitting on rolls upon rolls upon rolls, we need to have a conversation. But (laughs) uh, I suspect that's not many of us here. But uh, the reality of the fact is that we have all been affected by this virus. And more so in terms of the fear that has been associated with it rather than the virus itself. And I want you guys to understand, I believe there's something more contagious than this virus, and that is the spirit of fear that has gripped our community, that has gripped the nation, and if we're honest with ourselves, people tend to not make the best decisions when they're living in a state of fear. It's something that the media knows, and they prey on it. It's something that people know, and they use it to manipulate others, and we're in, uh, we're in a, a, a cultural moment that is unlike uh, anything that I've ever been in before. And I'm assuming most of you have probably not experienced something quite like this um, and just how to respond appropriately. Um, it is an interesting time to be alive and it's fueled. I feel like there's a, there's a lot of, of things that are going into play from social media to mainstream media. Um, that is ensuing panic, but I want us to understand something. As the bride and as the church of God, I believe that we have a biblical responsibility to live at peace with full assurance of the goodness of God in the midst of fear. And I believe just as fear is contagious, I believe just as, as, uh, as kind of this hysteria, and I'm not trying to downplay it. I believe it's serious. It is affecting us. I mean, the ski area is closed. People are losing their jobs. It is not, I don't want to make light of the situation, and I I really feel like we'd be doing it a disservice if we just try to play it off like it wasn't a big deal. Regardless of how we feel about it, there are repercussions that we're going to have to face and deal with as a society, as a culture, and I want us to do so walking in love and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. But I believe as men and women of God that have encountered Jesus, that have an assurance of faith in something that is bigger than what we can see, that we need to be infectious with faith. I believe that there is a contagious factor of having trust and faith in the Lord where he says that his spirit is called comforter. His name is the Prince of Peace. I believe that we can live with a reason, we can live in wisdom and peace in this hour that in turn can also be contagious. 
And I believe the, the way we combat the craziness here is planting our feet firm upon a rock that cannot be shaken and inviting others into the story. You see, I... I look and I think about what was taking place at the church of Acts, in the church of Acts when we read in Acts chapter 11. There was a famine that was plaguing the Roman Empire that actually served as fuel for the gospel to go forth and the church multiply in a massive way. Because the church responded with collective wisdom in reference to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> receiving insight from the Holy Spirit on how to respond and we see the gospel perpetuated as a fact. I believe right now the church is living in a unique hour of history where we have an opportunity to respond with the wisdom and insight of the Holy Spirit to see the gospel go forth like it has not yet. Many churches across our state have been instructed to shut their doors. Many, uh, many fellow ministers and friends have been asked to cease day-to-day uh, -day operations and, and our weekly gatherings. And um, out of that, we have seen a lot of churches go uh, online only for a particular season. And uh, there's been some size restrictions. There's also been denominational uh, kind of requests just to, to take a step back in precaution and safety. And out of that, we're seeing something unique happen with massive amounts of ministry taking place over social media. And I, I want you to think, most, most of us probably have a negative knee-jerk reaction to the fact, oh, churches are doing something different, and they're, they're, they're meeting in homes rather than meeting in a building, and they're putting messages online and on video rather than, um, rather than actually meeting and gathering in person. This is scary. Uh, they obviously have no faith, and I'd like to approach it from a different mentality of what if God is using this situation? What if he's using this set of circumstances to infiltrate the culture by means that we've never seen before? And I, I, want, us, I want us to approach what's taking place with a heart that is ready and willing to embrace what God has in store for us. You know, we consistently ask God to move in our church services. We consistently bombard heaven asking God to invade our culture in an unprecedented way. And I believe right now we have an opportunity to see that happen based on how we respond in the midst of fear. And so with that, my prayer for us as a church, my prayer for us as a people is that we would engage with what the Holy Spirit's doing, tune into his voice, firmly rooted in his word, and see what kind of doors God opens over the next couple of weeks and however long this thing lasts. Maybe it blows over in two weeks and everything goes back to normal. Maybe things look a little different, but what I know right now, just by looking at the state of the grocery store. <laughs> I could not buy donuts for church this morning because there was a massive amount of people outside of city market and the doors were locked at seven o'clock when I typically go get donuts, uh, <laughs> was that there are people that do not have hope in Jesus. There are people that are, that are panicked. There are people that are afraid and they desperately need the hope that we have found in Jesus. And, um, I think there's an opportunity for God's gospel and his light to go forth 
in the midst of the craziness that's going on right now. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? But I believe for that to happen, we as the people of God must first have a sound mind. (laughs) We must first walk in wisdom (laughs) and live rooted in the peace of the Holy Spirit. The last thing that the world needs right now is to see the church freaking out and losing its faith over the circumstances that are taking place in our culture and in our city and in our nation, in the world. (laughs) Right? Make sense? Okay. So uh, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 21, and I felt like I needed to highlight a couple things here. Um, A number, I have it actually written down here. Back in November... On November 17th, uh, I preached a message coming from the life of David talking about living in faith in the midst of fear. The, the story here in 1 Samuel chapter 1, and I'm not going to exhaust it um, per se, but we see David making some very foolish decisions when he's living out of a place that's motivated by fear rather than the faith that he's notorious for having. Right? He's slaying Goliath. He's kind of been the man. He's seen God come through strong again and again and again in his life. And then all of a sudden things start to fall apart. Uh, Saul goes crazy and starts checking spears, right? And, and, and the tides turn on David almost overnight. And it's this, pro- this problem that kind of progressively gets worse to the point where he's fleeing for his life. He winds up at a temple. He begins lying to a priest. And uh, these actions set into motion something that uh, inevitably ends in bloodshed and an entire uh, city being kind of just, uh, just massacred. It is not good news for David when he begins to operate and live in fear. He winds up going to the enemy, making poor decisions, and getting imprisoned um, when he thinks in his, in his kind of fear-driven state that it would be a good idea to go to the Philistines and beg them for asylum and mercy. And they're like, no, you're the enemy. <laughs> and oftentimes we give ourselves over to the enemy when we live in a place motivated and driven by fear. And so with all that being said, I'm, just, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to just share a couple key points that I think will help us in this hour, in this season, actually firmly put our roots down into the word and into Jesus Firmly uh, grab hold of the gospel as a church and each other to stand strong in the midst of what's taking place in the world around us. But the one thing that I think is interesting is that um, David here begins to justify in his own eyes the things that he's saying to the priest. Um, when he, I'm going to read uh, chapter 21 now. It says, David went to the town of Nob to see Ahimelech the priest. Ahimelech trembled when he saw him. Why are you alone, he asked. Why is no one with you? The king has sent me on a private matter, David said. He told me not to tell anyone why I'm here. I have told my men where to meet me later. Now, what is there to eat? Give me five loaves of bread or anything else that you have. 
We don't have any regular bread, the priest replied, but there is the holy bread which you can have if your young men have not slept with any women recently. Don't worry, David replied. I never allow my men to be with women when they are on a campaign, and since they have stayed clean on every ordinary trip, how much more on this one? Since there was no other food available, the priest gave him the holy bread, the bread of the presence that was placed before the Lord in the tabernacle. It had just been replaced the day before with fresh bread. Now Doeg the Adamite, Saul's chief herdman, was there that day, having been detained before the Lord, David asked Ahimelech, do you have a spear or a sword? And the king's business was so urgent that I didn't even have time to grab a weapon. I only have the sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you've killed in the valley of Elah, the priest replied. It's wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. Take that if you want it, for there is nothing else here. There is nothing like it, David replied. Give it to me now. And then it goes on to say that David escaped Saul and went to King Achish of Gath. But the officers of Achish were unhappy about his being there. Imagine that. Isn't this David the king of the land, they asked? Isn't he the one the people honor with dances singing? Saul has killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands. David heard these comments and he was very afraid of what King Agash of Gath might do to him. So he pretended to be insane, scratching on the doors and drooling down his beard. Finally, King Agash said to him, must you bring me a madman? We already have enough of them around here. (laughs) Why should I let someone like this be my guest? We actually, uh, when reading through the Psalms, we understand that David actually wound up imprisoned for a time uh, here under the Philistine king. And then he begins to pretend madness and foam at the mouth. And they finally let him go because they just don't want to deal with, uh, with what's going on. And the, I believe the Lord comes through on his behalf. But the first thing that I'd like to say is that we can't live on past victories. We've seen God come through again and again and again and again. We've seen his mighty hand outstretched. And just because he's moved in the past, we can't continue to live there. We have to face the reality of what's happening in the culture. We have to face the reality of the present circumstances and situation and take proactive measures, living in faith, to see something change. Um, I believe we look to where God has taken us from. We look back at past victories and we celebrate those. And we let them serve as a fuel for going forward. They root us in faith and they build up our encouragement in the Lord. But we can't live in the past. We celebrate them. We remember them. But just because we triumphed over the giant doesn't mean that we're invincible. The same way David here, he had great victory, right? He slew Goliath with the sling and the stone, but that doesn't mean that he had it just like a a clear shot, easy peasy way out for the rest of his life. In fact, we see things get increasingly more difficult for him. So we should not be alarmed when things are difficult. We should not be alarmed when, uh, when it seems like things are rough or it's, it's kind of crazy, but uh, we need to place our confidence in the Lord. And if you remember David's confidence in the Lord when he faced Goliath uh, was very strong. You know, he didn't place much confidence in the fact that, you know, he was a great swordsman or that he was this mighty warrior or anything like that. In fact, even when he's calling out the Philistine champion, he's calling him out um, saying that the Lord is going to hand you over and deliver me today. And I want us to have our confidence rudely, uh, directly placed in the Lord as our Savior, 
as the Lord is our protector, as the Lord is the one that's going to show us strong through this season and through this hour. Amen? And he begins to justify, though. He begins to justify, I think, what he was thinking about and what he was saying, even to, even to the, the priest here, <laughs> saying, you know, surely somebody's after me. Uh, things are going crazy. A little white light here is not going to hurt anyone in the grand scheme of the story. Well, uh, I hate to say it, uh, when we read about it in the next chapter, there are grave repercussions um, for David's little uh, white lie here. And in fact, what I see taking place is he's just rather, rather than placing his trust in the Lord, he's placing trust in his own ability and how he's going to accomplish and combat the situation, right? The second thing I'd like to point out here is that when we're living in sin, driven and motivated by fear, because this is what David wound up doing, he had abandoned faith. <laughs> he had walked away from uh, he had walked away from what was his traditional guiding set of principles and seeking the Lord, of reminding himself of the law and the word, and walking righteously and upright. Here he's living in a state of fear because somebody is actually trying to kill him. It's not that the fear is unwarranted, right? It's not like there isn't a real problem to be faced. But David should know better because he knows that his God can rescue him because he's experienced it firsthand. And this is where I'm perplexed and I'm discouraged in a sense is because I've seen so many Christians... Friends of mine freaking out over the end of the world, <laughs> freaking out over this, uh, this, uh, this uh, virus and its implications and the things that are going to happen um, in a sense of like God's never shown up for them before. Like God's never moved in their life before and they've forgotten that he actually is strong to save and that he is powerful to heal. And it's discouraging to me, friends. I want us, if, there, if, the, if the world is ever looking for an example of faith, it's in this hour. Where do we actually believe that our God is who he says he is and that he's going to take care of us? And that he's going to watch out for us and he's going to protect us? That doesn't mean we're foolish. That doesn't mean we're just, we throw and we just, you know, we all... Uh, would just be silly about the whole situation. But there's no reason for believers to be in panic. But we see that in David's life here. And when that happens, friends, stupidity abounds. If I'm being honest, stupidity abounds when you live in sin. That's why David goes running first and foremost to his enemy, <laughs> seeking asylum, seeking sanctuary. 
I mean, it, it, you read it and it makes zero sense. He, he, he thinks about it for a second. And he says, David escaped from Saul and went to King Agesh of Gath. I don't know if you guys know who else came from Gath, but it was Goliath. So he shows up to Goliath's hometown with Goliath's sword, thinking that it was going to be a brilliant idea to find safety and sanctuary there. And it doesn't work out for him very well. And it's in the midst of a cave, or it's in the midst of imprisonment that we actually see him pin Psalm 56, and he begin to cry out to the Lord, and we see repentance take place. And he writes those words that, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. I will remember your word. It begins to come to his senses. But I, w- I want to have a, an honest conversation here. And I, I'm going to give some instruction for how we're going to respond to what's taking place. And uh, we're kind of going to go from there. But I believe we're called to be people of faith be full of faith in this hour. But there is a community in need that is living ravaged by fear that desperately needs to encounter Jesus. And so I want to give some practical tips for us. I want to give us some, I want to be able to talk about this as adults and actually have uh, the Holy Spirit kind of driven conversation of what we're supposed to do in this hour. See, many people are afraid of the unknown, right? Uh, You know, few people I know are actually afraid of contracting this virus and dying, even though there are, with people with immune system issues and those things, it is a real possibility, and there's all different kinds of aspects to how do we curve the effect, make sure there's enough hospital beds, and and how do we respond appropriately, and there's lots of information to process, Um, and we need to, we need to, we need to do so in a reasonable manner, but uh, most people are afraid of the unknown more than they are of this virus, or getting the virus, or responding to it, you know, um, I know many people lost their jobs yesterday, (laughs) with the ski area uh, closing or just even potentially shutting down for a week. Um, I mean, we're in the busiest season of, uh, of our community. You know, our economy is going to suffer um, without tourists, without the ski area, especially in the height of spring break season. You know, some of us are like, great, there'll be a little respite from all the tourists. But reality is that our economy <laughs> heavily weighs in on that of tourism and the ski area. <laughs> and so there's, there's lots of uncertainty there. You know, I, I know people that have, have been watching the stock market and people have their investments in there and things are changing there on an hour-by-hour basis. And there's a lot of uncertainty. The one thing I do know is that God is unchanging in this. He's not panicking in heaven. He's not looking for a different solution or like a a, a different plan of action. He's not trying to come up with like an emergency plan B on how to respond. I believe that he sees the end from the beginning. And I believe that there is a 
there is a there is a scenario that can play out in which God receives glory, that the church can grow in strength and in numbers <laughs> in this season, and we can see Jesus glorified. I want to be able to I want to be able to navigate that with you guys um, together. So one thing I want to say. When people are living in fear, making fun of their fear is never the appropriate response. And I've been discouraged by what I've seen on social media. I've been discouraged by comments I've heard other people say, probably even comments that I've made in regards to this thing. I think the hysteria is ridiculous. I do. Hear me out. I think that there are, there, are, there are certain factors at play that have definitely driven uh, something that should have been a simple response into uh, an, an intense thing. And I, I don't want to downplay it at all. But I believe that as Christians called to walk in wisdom, in gentleness, and in kindness that we need to respond to our friends and our family and those people that maybe we don't even like or agree with, with gentleness in this hour. Making fun of somebody's fear, because the fear is real right now, regardless of if, if however this thing plays out, the fear is real and it's gripping people and it's, it's causing craziness in the world right now. But making light of it or making fun of it, uh, friends, is not the appropriate response. It is not the heart of Jesus. I believe we can, in wisdom, with sound mind, <laughs> not with the spirit of fear or timidity, but with a sound mind, we can carry the gospel of Jesus and we can carry the hope of salvation in such a way um, to actually see life's changed. So I, I want to be very clear. I will be very disappointed and be very frustrated if as a church we, uh, we kind of blow this thing off as no big deal. I don't want us to have that mentality. Now, we may not be as concerned or as, you know, with our heads spinning around in a circle. Um, we're not going to live in fear, but we're also, not going to, we're also not going to just kind of pretend like it's not happening because it's a reality that is affecting tons of people today um, all over the globe. And it's something that I believe that we need to dig into the heart of Jesus for. So with that being said, the president has declared today a national day of prayer. And uh, our response this morning is we're going to pray. But I want to invite you back here this evening um, for instead of our Sunday service that we typically have on a Sunday night, we're still going to have worship, but we're going to have a specific response of a time of prayer an intercession for our nation, but also with a specific emphasis on this community and how the Church of Pagosa Springs is going to respond to um, the craziness right now. We've been receiving kind of hour-by-hour hour updates. As of this morning, uh, we have been requested not to continue meeting as a church um, on our Sunday morning worship services. Um, and that comes from uh, the district office of the Assemblies of God. 
that has been in uh, that has been in close working relationship with the governor's office, and there's lots of things that are transpiring and taking place there. Um, we do not fall under the mandated kind of. This is the perks of being a small church. You know, we we don't have 250 people here at any given moment, um, and we feel like it would be best in this hour to respond uh, in wisdom and c- complete fellowship with the assemblies of God and responding to how they ask us to proceed. And so at this moment, um, we are planning on having next Sunday morning service uh, hosted online. And so I'm going to be recording a message and sharing that on our Facebook platform. Um, This is our plan right now. Things are changing on an hour by hour minute. There is the possibility we will get the green light to gather again next week and not have it, uh, not have this thing change. But we want to be a, we want to lead from the forefront of this, be able to engage people where they are and respond in a manner of faith um, that is helpful to the situation, not uh, causing dissension, not just causing craziness. So we want to operate in fellowship with the wisdom of our. Uh, district leaders here, not out of a place of fear. Um, That is not what we're doing. Obviously, you guys are here this morning because you believe God's good and you believe that uh, things are are good. And so we want to continue with that. We are looking at this as an opportunity to emphasize our deeper projects and our small groups. And so I want you to, I want you to hear me out here. If we, we can't cancel church. Nobody can cancel church. The governor said tomorrow that we weren't allowed to meet in this building. You're not going to cancel church because church isn't a building. Does that make sense? Um, they, we may not have a meeting officially on a Sunday morning. But that doesn't mean church is canceled. Our church is much bigger than that. Our church uh, exists in the form of our deeper projects. It exists in a a corporate expression of worship like this. But we look at it as a prime opportunity to engage people that are living in fear, that are living in confusion, and get them rooted and grounded in the word of God and encounter with Jesus. And I'm excited about that. And so we're going to continue to meet with our deeper projects. So our Tuesday night deeper project that meets at 6 o'clock is going to be meeting at my house up there at the Parsonage. Tuesday at 6 o'clock, we'll be sharing a meal We've got plenty of toilet paper, so it'll be great. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's going to be okay, and we're going to gather together for a meal, and we're we're going to study the word. We're going to spend time in prayer. Wednesday night, uh, there has been a slight change. Instead of meeting here on Wednesday night, uh, we are going to be meeting at Tina's house, right, at 4.30. Yeah, so the deeper project for Wednesday night is going to be at 4.30 at Mark and Tina's house. Uh, she, she's a great cook, and so you'll be missing out. And they're going to still study the word. Um, we are still waiting. Uh, we are unsure of if prayer will happen this Wednesday night here at the church. Um, actually, you know, we'll just, we're, if not, we'll just do it at Mark and Tina's house. Uh, with their with their deeper project. Again, we're not doing this out of fear. We're just trying to honor our leadership that's placed above us, and in response to their wisdom. And so, and then Thursday, 
Um, we have not had a chance to talk about that yet. But if you're a part of the Thursday Deeper Project, we'll get word to you here soon. Um, and then our plan is for a service next Sunday um, to be online. It'll be on our Facebook page. So if you're not connected on our Facebook page, get connected on our Facebook page. Um, our hope is that we'll get different word and that we can gather together. Um, but we also just want to lead from ahead of this thing and be engaged with the community. Um, you know, one of the big things that I perpetuate um, that I kind of constantly put in front of us is that, you know, we're not called to live afraid of the culture, right? We're not called to be reclusive. If there was ever an opportunity and an hour for the church to be alive and active in our community, it's now. And so we want to, we want to look at this as an opportunity to engage people with the gospel. We want to look at this as an opportunity to show the love of Christ and actually meet practical needs. And so tonight we're going to have a prayer meeting and we're going to kind of have a roundtable discussion on just what practical steps we can take. We want, to, we want to be able to practically serve our community over the next couple of weeks, whether that means uh, helping those that are sick or have a compromised immune system get the things that they need. Or um, if it's, you know, if the schools do shut down, how can we pr help provide child care? Those things, we're looking for answers to those questions. We don't have those right now, but we're going to come back together tonight and we're going to simply spend time together in prayer, asking God to move, asking for him to speak to us, and we're going to attentively respond to however he directs us to. Does that make sense? You guys, you guys hear my heart in this. If you have questions, please, you can call the church number here. It'll go straight to my cell phone. And we're going to walk through these next couple weeks with wisdom. Obviously, wash your hands. If you're super sick, don't go anywhere. Uh, <laughs> let's be smart about this. But we're not going to live isolated in fear either. We are going to encounter Jesus and we're going to encounter each other um, at the same time. And we're going to see faith bolster and we're going to see the gospel go forth. Amen. Amen. So with that, uh, we're going to pray. And I want to invite you again back here this evening um, for a specific time of prayer in regards to this and just how we can respond to the word of the Lord. Amen. Father, we thank you. Lord, we recognize that this is, uh, this is an interesting situation to be facing. Lord, they didn't teach me how to do this in Bible college. But Lord, we just simply want to trust you in this hour. Lord, we want to walk in wisdom. Lord, we want to honor you. Um, and Lord, we're asking how best to do that. So we need your help. Lord, we as your church, we believe that what you have in store for us is good. We believe that the directions and the next steps that you have for us uh, will make sense, will bring you glory. And uh, we're just asking that you be, uh, you be exalted in this house. Lord, we're asking for the halt of this coronavirus, the actual sickness of itself. Lord, we still believe that you are a God that heals. Lord, we believe that you are a God that delivers. And Lord, uh, that you can keep your safe, people safe from pestilence and harm. Lord, uh, I, I remember David writing, though a thousand may fall by my side and ten thousand by my right hand, it shall not come nigh my dwelling. And Lord, we believe that for your church. We believe that for your house, God. Lord, we believe that you can keep your people safe and protected. And so we're asking for that. We're asking that there would be wellness, Lord, not just from this virus, but from all sickness. 
Lord, uh, we believe that you can keep us well. and We're asking for that. But uh, we're also asking that your gospel would go forth and that you would use your church in this hour. Lord, to point people to Jesus. Lord, we look at this as an opportunity for revival, Lord, that we've been praying for. And so would you just have your way? Would you be glorified? We love you and we thank you and we bless your holy name. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Our ministry is made possible entirely by the faithful generosity of people just like you. If you were blessed by this message and would like to partner with what the Lord is doing in Pagosa Springs, visit us online at www.opendoorpagosa.com. Here you can give, see our service times, and stay connected with Open Door Church. We hope to see you soon.